Welcome to Move by Grace, the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you today, and it's great to be with you online as you're watching. Um, I'm just really looking forward to this weekend. There's a couple of special announcements I just want to make. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we want to celebrate those that have come before us. And so let us be mindful of that over today and tomorrow as we celebrate Memorial Day here in the States. And I also want to be mindful that there is a, a special addition, hopefully, in the, uh, the fall coming to our church. And uh, Amber and Seth have announced this week that they are having a baby. And we are super excited for them as well. And so congratulations to Amber and Seth Atkins. And uh, I have some name suggestions, uh, COVID not being one of them. All right. Take your Bibles, please, and uh, turn to Revelation chapter 8 if you're not already there. Thank you, Hannah, for reading the scripture. Our text today is centered around this theme. The book of uh, Romans says in chapter 12, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Have you ever wondered what that looks like? What does the righteous vengeance look like from God? I know we know what our vengeance would look like. And how does God's differ? Deuteronomy says, vengeance is mine and recompense or payment for the time when their foot shall sleep, uh, excuse me, slip for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom will come swiftly. And there's often times when I read that and I go, yes, Lord. I pray that, yes, make it happen now. For the Lord will vindicate the people and have compassion on his servants. All right. As Matthew McConaughey would say, all right, all right, all right. Scripture goes on to say, when we see that their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. But we say, how long, Lord? How long? When will your vengeance come? And, and you pray, and you pray, and, and you pray. Oh Lord, God of vengeance. Oh, oh God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, oh judge the earth, and repay the proud what they deserve. Have you ever prayed that? Psalms 94. Oh Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour out their arrogant words. They're all evil, evil doers. They crush your people and they afflict your heritage and they kill the widow, the sojourner, the murderer, and the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see. Oh God of Jacob. Have you ever longed for the day? How long? Has that ever been your prayer? We've been praying for suffering missionaries or Christians killed or imprisoned, tortured or disgraced. When will your justice come for the unborn God, for the widow, for the orphan, for the sexual slave in captivity? When will your vengeance come? As it says in your word, how long? Well, today, 
can I show you a passage of Scripture that we have longed for and prayed for for the hearts of the fatherless, for those in justice, that the Lord will deal out His vengeance. And this should be a comfort for His people. We should look on our affliction and realize God will deal forever with evil and with evil people and with evil hearts and with sin. Amen? Amen. And we want Him to do that. That's the beauty of Romans 12. He does it so much better than we do. So, what have we uh, seen so far? Well, if, uh, if you have uh, Facebook opened and you've been able to pull up those papers, or if you're here today as part of our, our live stream uh, group and you have those papers, we have uh, made up for you a kind of a timeline, and, and Brent's going to pull that up on the screen uh, for you guys to see. Um, we have seen this timeline chart beginning with... Uh, Daniel chapter 9 and the 70 weeks of Daniel. You see it there. And uh, I know it's kind of small, but that's why you have your papers with you. And, and we see how God plots through history the coming of the Messiah when he will actually say he's coming on this date, Palm Sunday, March 4th, 30 AD. And he comes. And yet there is a, there is a wedge. There is a time of mercy where the church, the church age comes about. And we see that there's one week left. And we've been looking at what this time of tribulation looks like. What we have seen so far in chapter 4, thank you Brett, in chapter 4 we've seen the rapture of the church. We've seen the worship of God for creation. We see John crying, do you remember? Someone says, who is worthy to take the scroll? And John breaks out in tears because he thinks nobody's worthy. And so he begins to cry and they say, weep no more. Behold the, the Lion of Judah. And he looks and he sees the Lamb slain. Behold the Lamb. In chapter 5, we see that glorious moment when the Lamb takes the scroll, the title deed to the earth. He's the one with the right to rule and the right to reign. He's the one, Psalms 2 says, Ask of me, the Father says, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And judgment on the nations, tribes, peoples that have dis disregarded His grace and shunned His salvation. Now this lamb takes his title deed. And a great worship service breaks out. Do you remember? The sevenfold praise and blessing to the lamb. Then in chapter 6, he does what we've longed for. He breaks the seals. And in breaking the seals, judgment begins. Now the seven seals, they encompass the entirety of all of the tribulation period. Because the seventh seal, which we'll look at today, then becomes the seven trumpets. And at the end of the seventh trumpet, the seven bowls, the seventh trumpet becomes the seven bowls. And it's like birth pains on a woman. Now, I don't know what that's like, but I've been in the labor and delivery room 
I know at the first hour, it was pretty good. I know at the last hour, it wasn't. And it became harder and faster and more sustained and more painful. And that is what the tribulation period will be. We see in seals 1 through 6, the four horsemen, they are unveiled. The Antichrist, followed by war, and then worldwide famine, and death in Hades, who are killing by famine, sword, pestilence, and wild animals. We meet those who are martyred for turning to Jesus in seal number five. And then he finishes with a great, violent earthquake. Now understand, this is one of four earthquakes. Now I've, I've only been through one earthquake in my life. And it, it, was, it happened just outside Washington, D.C. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. But we were living in Maryland at the time. And, and no, it was here. Uh, Jeremy was at our house. It happened outside of Washington, D.C. We were living in Bysville, and our house kind of shook a little bit. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and like, what happened? But it wasn't really alarming. These earthquakes move mountains, move islands. Think about that as you go through it. Maybe some of you have. I know we have some folks who've lived in California, and maybe they know what that's like. I, I don't, but I, I, I know that God uses earthquakes to destroy mountains and islands in this time of tribulation. This earthquake was so strong that the dust um, from this causes the society to see the sun darken and the moon become like blood. And then the meteors are falling to the earth. This is all before the seventh seal is broken. And just before that all happens, the text says this, that the sky rolls back and people can look into heaven I long for that, but um, not in this setting. And they can see the Lamb and God on his throne, and they say to Mother Earth, fall on us, for the judgment of the Lord has come. And before we got to seal number seven, we had chapter seven, which I wrote over chapter seven, this word, mercy. We looked at that last week. Even in the midst of all of this thing that is going on, mercy. God gives mercy. How does he give mercy? Well, we saw that he set aside 144,000 Jews, men, virgins, who followed after him, his elect, as Matthew 24 through 26 called. Martyrs cried out and worshipped him again in chapter 7. Why? Because they were saved during this time of tribulation. Not saved in the time of grace. They were not part of the church, but now here they are in heaven before the throne and another great worship service breaks out. Now let me just pause for just a moment. This is a little off script, which makes some people nervous. right? But I want you to understand what we've seen so far. Rapture of the church, worship. The Lamb revealed, worship. More worship, bigger worship. The seals, one through six, broken. The 144,000 sealed. What's the word? Worship. There's a key there. And we, we can think sometimes it's kind of difficult to do worship right now. 
Worship is the practice for heaven. Worship is a lifestyle that we embrace because one day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty will be our cry. We will worship Him before the throne with the myriad of myriad of angels and numbers of martyrs who cannot be mentioned and cannot be counted. And the church and the the four living creatures all gathered around the Lamb and the throne of God and we will worship. Let's practice now. And you might be just Mom might be in the kitchen. You just don't even question, okay? What's she doing? She's just getting ready for heaven. Dad might be singing in the car off key. Don't say a word. My wife videotaped me the other day, and I was, I was listening to a song, and I was mowing the grass. And you know, when you wear headphones, you don't really realize how loud you are. <laughs> but she videotaped me from the kitchen as I was in the backyard and uh, just singing at the top of my lung and quite frankly off key. But you know what? It's the practice for what we long for. Worship. And God gives mercy. And we see that in the martyr's cry in this great worship service. I can't imagine just the millions and millions and millions of people before the throne worshiping the Lamb. Our first worship is about creation. Worship following that is about redemption. Worship now is about the salvation of those that were saved in the time of tribulation. All of that before the next seal is broken. Now understand, like birth pains, every time a trumpet, a seal, a bowl is blown, poured out, broken, it becomes more and more intense. And this next one, the intense level turns up to 11. Notice verse 1 of chapter 8. The seventh seal is broken. And when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Now, I don't know how John knows it's a half an hour. Okay? But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says there was a moment of silence. The scroll is completely open in front of everyone and they can see it all. This is the judgment. And it takes their breath away. Now we think sometimes, I'm going to enact my vengeance. I'm going to do my thing. But when the vengeance of God is unveiled, we stand with our jaws wide open unable to say anything. And rightfully, he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. The scrolls are open. The awe falls all over the creation. It is the kingdom coming closer and closer and closer. In full view now is the wrath of God. We've asked for it. Listen, maybe you've not personally said, how long, O Lord, or let your vengeance come, but you know you want to see sin punished, and when we ask for it, and when we see it, we're like, wow. Notice he says, then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. There's a little bit of an interlude. Trumpets 
called people to a coronation. Trumpets warned of coming uh, armies or judgment. Trumpets said there is danger. Trumpets said come and worship. In fact, during the Feast of uh, Sabbath, when Sabbath began on what would be Friday night, they would go to the corner of the temple and blow a trumpet. And then when the Sabbath was over, they would go and blow a trumpet so people knew. Now these have seven trumpets. Now there's a bit of an interlude now because there's something special. We're going to talk about this at the end, but I want to read the text. And then another angel, so this is separate from these seven angels, stood at the altar with the golden censer. Hebrews tells us that in heaven there is a tabernacle like there was on earth. And here is a picture of this, that there is an actual altar of incense, and he has a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer, which are the prayers of all the saints, on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God. You should write next to that Isaiah 6, right? Remember that great vision that Isaiah had? And he said, I could see the train of his robe filling the temple and then suddenly smoke filled so that he would not be consumed. And the angel took the censer and filled it with, with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. In, about, in a moment, we're going to see the seven trumpets blown by these seven we're actually going to only see four of them today, blown by these seven angels. In the seals, they had natural disasters. Now we're going to see supernatural disasters, and we're going to see demonic disasters. We're going to see oppression, pain, punishment to the earth and its creatures. But before that, another angel steps to the altar of incense and throws down the prayers of the saints. As if to say to the, if you remember your text last week, to the four angels holding back the winds of judgment, go. And it begins. Lightning, thunder, earthquake number two. Can you think of that for just a minute? Can we just imagine what that would be like? I mean, I like a good lightning storm, and I'm all in favor of a thunderstorm until the lightning hits and the thunder is right behind it, and you realize, that hit pretty close to my house. But then throw an earthquake in the middle of that, and think, wow. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. I don't know if any of you have ever blown a trumpet. I have. Um, I, I played a coronet for a while, and then I played a baritone and ultimately landed on the greatest of all instruments, the tuba. And um, it, was, it was quite fun, but there was a little process. You got, got yourself ready. And he's saying these, these, these angels readied themselves. They got their trumpet up. It wouldn't be a trumpet like we would see, but it would be a long trumpet or maybe even a shofar, a ram's horn. And it begins. And the first angel blew his trumpet. And there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And the third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all the grass was burned up. Trumpets one through four were 
Natural judgment's gone to the supernatural. What we need to, uh, what needed to be done was, was the judgment was to continue. And so first, judgment on the earth. Remember, the angel who stopped the four winds said what? Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees. Now that's off. And the first judgment to come, the trumpet judgment, was fire and hail and blood. I don't know what that looks like. I just know that God said hail, fire, and blood were thrown down on the earth. Has he ever done that before? Yes. But notice what happens. A third of the earth was burned up. Have you thought about that? Let's just put it in perspective. 17 states on fire at one time. I mean, we think about maybe an eighth of California being on fire as being pretty big. Can you imagine 17 states on fire? Can you imagine all of Japan and Korea on fire? A third of Australia? Maybe it's all of India in that section? A third of Africa? Eastern Europe? All ablaze? Eastern or Western Russia? China, a third, on fire. A third of the trees. That's a lot of trees. I didn't Google how many trees there are in the earth. Maybe you could do that, but maybe somebody's counted. A third of them gone. Now think of that, the smoke. The trees aren't filtering that out. I'm no scientist, but I think that's a pretty bad moment. And then notice all the grass. It's not a third and a third and a third. It's all gone. Now, farmers would understand grass is important because my cattle need, my sheep need, my goats need grass to feed. There's no hay this year because it's all gone. This is quite the supernatural Disaster. Crop damage. No feeding cattle or animal. But that's okay, Nate. We don't need animals. We have fish. We have fish. Okay. Keep reading. And then the second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea. Well, what happened? Well, a third of the sea became like blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. A great mountain, celestial or not, I don't know. I don't know what this means. Was it a meteor? I don't know. I can't wait to see it. It falls into the sea and a third of the living creatures die. And the sea turns to blood. Okay, fishing's out. But not just that, a third of all the ships destroyed. There are uh, 53,732 commercial merchant ships as of 2018 that sailed the seas. 53,732, and a third of them. That's 17,732 ships are gone. Agriculture, sea, 
commercial capitalism in a moment brought to its knees. Verse 10. Well, that's okay, Nate. As long as I have water, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. I don't eat fish. I, I, I don't like fish. I'm a vegetarian. I can have water. I'll survive. Okay. A third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood or bitter, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Oh my, right? Fresh water, gone. What is this wormwood? I couldn't tell you. Is it a meteor? I don't know. I just understand that what it could be is a meteor breaking up into the atmosphere and, and hitting our major water sources. A third of all fresh water becomes deadly bitter, toxic, so that people die. They lack good drinking water. They try to drink it anyways, and they die in the process. And then a fourth blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that their light might be darkened, and the third of the day might be kept from shining. Likewise, a third of the night. So what have we have seen so far? We've seen trees burnt up. We've seen all the grass burnt up. We've seen a third of the earth burning. We've seen fresh water Toxic, a third of the fresh water, toxic, so that people die when they drink it. And do you wonder, is this the good water? Is this the bad water? We've seen a third of the sea and all its creatures dead. Now, can you imagine the sun darkened? The moon obviously reflects the sun darkened, and a third of the stars, gone, just gone. Where's, where's Orion's belt? Where's, where's the Big Dipper? And you look up into vast darkness. The days are colder. The nights are even colder. I can't explain it. I don't know how it happens, but get your amens ready and chat. God did it, so I know it happened. Amen? Jesus said of this event in Mark and Matthew, he recorded it. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and stars will fall from the heavens, and the power of the heavens will be shaken. And now it has happened. And God's vengeance is frightening. And maybe you might want to know, what, what is God doing? Why is he doing this? I have 
I have two answers to that. Maybe a third. Here's the first one. He's keeping his word. He's keeping his word to you and me. He's keeping a promise. He's keeping a promise to those in the fifth seal that he said, wait a little longer. Your numbers are not there yet. He's keeping a promise. James uh, 5.16 says this, the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. He's keeping his word in that he's answering your prayers. What have you prayed for? Have you prayed how long? Have you prayed your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How many times have we mentioned that? Do you realize the coming of his kingdom involves this? Have you asked why, O oh Lord? Have you gotten down on your floor in tears and said, how much longer will I have to endure this, God? We have wept at the altar of incense and now it is ignited and thrown down. There's a little passage in, in Luke 18 that I've been studying this week that I want to kind of make a correlation with this in reference to that. Jesus had been talking about kingdom stuff in, in chapter 17. And now he looks at his disciples. He said, I'm going to tell you a parable. And then he gives a purpose statement to the effect that you ought to always pray and not lose heart. So Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a parable. It's about prayer. I don't want you to lose heart. Now, the reason I tell you this is because there's times in our life where we look at things and we just go, God, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And he's like, pray and don't lose heart. And let me tell you a story. And he said there was a certain city, there was a judge, had you heard this one before? Who neither feared God nor respected man. And what that meant was this was a bad dude. This was an evil judge. Can there be evil judges? Yes. Well, he said there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. So, we have an evil judge, and we have a widow who kept coming, saying, every day, wearing him down. This doesn't happen these days. But there was a woman who came and said, give me justice. Now, notice what the judge did. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect Man, he's a bad judge. Yet because this widow kept bothering me, I will give her justice. In other words, she stayed right in her pocket. He, she just kept bothering him until this guy caved. And it even says so. It says, so that he, she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Jesus used a really good word. We would say nagging. So he was saying, listen, this woman keeps coming to me. I'm going to do what she wants, so she will just leave me alone. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, hear me. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. What did the unrighteous judge say? I'm going to answer her request because she keeps bothering me. But he says this in verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's a real important question. Do we have the faith to believe that he will pour out his vengeance? He's keeping his word. You know, six times in Scripture he said, listen, I am going to do this. I will pour out my vengeance. Deuteronomy 32, Romans 12, Psalms 94, 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 5. The thought is that when God pours out his vengeance, it's so much better. I think I'm right. In fact, just write, you're right, in the chat, okay? Because this might be the only time in the next 10 weeks that I'm, I'm right. I don't know. God's day, your prayers being answered in that bowl, thrown down to the earth. So he's keeping his word. And secondly, he's treading out his wrath. From this point forward, we will again see the increase of what was promised in Matthew 24. The sun will darken. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heaven so that the heavens will be shaken. In that day, the scripture says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Lord is squeezing humanity to enact his vengeance and wrath. Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now, can I just say something? Like, this virus thing, the current weather situation that we have, cold, hot, rainy for a month, life lately, it has us all just like weird, right? It's just not normal. It makes me long for heaven. It makes me long for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine no hope and the trumpet blows and a third of the earth and a third of the trees and all the grass and the next trumpet blows and the sea and this great tidal wave of death and destruction in the sea and another trumpet blows and all of a sudden you can't even drink the water. Can you imagine how messed up you would be in that moment? And then the sun goes dark, the moon goes dark, the sky goes dark. Mankind will be rattled. The purpose of the tribulation isn't to refine the saints, but for God to deal with evil, God to deal with Israel, and God to let his vengeance out on unbelieving world who has persecuted his beloved bride. But I see one more thing here, and I don't want to miss this. We ask the question, what's going on with these trumpets, and what is God doing, and why is he doing it? There is still this word that lingers over all of this, and don't miss this. The word is mercy. It's a third. It's not half. It's not three-fourths. It's not all, except for the grass. It's a third. God is still, the 144,000 are still preaching the redemption of Jesus Christ. And people are still being saved. It's still a third. It's still mercy. Peter tells us he desires that all should come to salvation. And even in the tribulation, he is reaching out for them. Because God is good, amen? So, 
I want to finish with this. For those of you that have never experienced the grace and mercy of God, why wait? Don't believe that you can, well, I'll, I'll just wait till God starts enacting all these judgments. And No, don't wait. You don't know when that day will be. Why not settle that now? He gives you his unmerited favor in grace. He gives you what you do not deserve in mercy by giving you forgiveness for your sins. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're here listening without Jesus Christ, I say to you, call on him that you may be saved. Confess your sin to him and your need of him and come to the Father who gives grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're a believer here and you've been praying without ceasing and you're waiting Just understand, the Word of God is faithful and the Word of God is true. And one day He will deal with sin. You be faithful. You continue in your faithfulness. He is good. He is good even when there's nothing good in you. He is good. He is good all the time. And He will tread the winepress of His wrath in His way. And it will be much more glorious than anything you could do. You keep loving on creation. You keep loving on the lost. You keep loving on each other so that the world may see Jesus now in His grace before it's too late. That's my prayer. The seven trumpets. Blow those trumpets, part one. Concluded for this week. Three more to go next week, and I'm here to tell you, if you thought this was bad, read ahead. Read chapter 9, and you will see that the trumpets to come are even worse. God is dealing with sin. His vengeance is being played out. But praise God, he's dealt with your sin at the cross. If he hasn't, again, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I pray that you would pray with me and receive Christ as your Savior. So would you bow, all of us together? Father in heaven, sometimes we look at your word and we wonder what is going on here. And uh, you unveiling history to us in this way is, uh, is really just overwhelming. I don't think we can put into proper context what it would be like to see these trumpets blown. I understand the silence in heaven. But God, encourage our souls today in the midst of this. That as your children, we we do not need to fear the wrath that is to come. You've told us that through the Apostle Paul. That you have called us to rule and reign with you as your children. And we look forward to that day. Gathered around your throne, worshiping you, loving you. Uh, the fact that we are your bride, the church. Father, I know that that this idea of salvation is strange to many people, but we ask that your spirit would pierce through the darkness right now for one person who needs salvation. We ask that they would be saved today. We ask that they would call to you now, as Romans 10.13 says, 
that they would confess their sin, that they would believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, believe that He is the Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name, that they would call and be saved, and that You would save them. That, that no one would have to endure the judgment. I think of the passage in, in uh, Micah, it says, the, the refining fire of the Lord, who can stand? And we can see that no one. But sadly, we'll read in chapter 9 of your book of Revelation that people will still defy you and will be angry with you. Father, help us to understand what it means to love people now so that they might receive your grace before you come. But we pray, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio, check out our website at harvestcambridge.org or like us on Facebook at Harvest Cambridge. You are loved.